I'm Russell Real with Real Hog Farms in Marion, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is some kind of cold outside, but that's not slowing us down. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today all loaded up and ready to roll for you. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas ranchers are working hard to keep livestock comfortable during the cold. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The winter wheat season in the Texas High Plains still has about five months left to go. So we're a long ways from the finish line. But at the present time, much of the region's crop is looking pretty good. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Wintertime is a good time for farmers to get their soil tested to determine plant available nutrients in that soil ahead of the 2024 growing season. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall. The old year went out and the new year came in. We still need a little moisture and it's meeting time throughout East Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Our first cold blast of the winter is here. It's nothing new, as we see this type of weather nearly every winter. But there are a few reminders on protecting livestock the best you can during these types of cold snaps. One of the coldest spots in Texas is the northern panhandle where veterinarian Dr. Randy Skaggs is located in Perryton. Get them out of the wind. If we can provide a windbreak, that will certainly help. If we provide extra calories to those guys in forms of grain or cake or something to get the calorie load up, they generally do very well. The other big thing is, and everybody that owns any cattle knows, is keeping that water supply where they can drink it. And that's one of the challenges that we have because as soon as you break the ice, it freezes up. But again, that's critical to keep their hydration up and give them a source of drinkable water. It's amazing how well cattle and horses do, but can you imagine if you were standing out there, (laughs) even with the best coat on, having to spend 24 hours out there just standing in the wind, it just zaps you. Dr. Skaggs also reminds pet owners to get their animals out of this cold and provide heat lamps if you can. Texas A&M AgriLife Research is now taking applications from farmers and ranchers who are interested in joining their Climate Smart Initiative. Those enrolled in the five-year project will be asked to adopt climate-smart ag and or forestry practices. AgriLife Research will work with farmers to adopt the practices, assess the benefits of the practices, and develop models for voluntary market-based climate solutions. 
The $650 million project is funded by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. Details are available at climatesmart.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Remote monitoring of irrigation systems has been around for a while, but the technology keeps improving. Tanner Oliphant is Director of Ag Sales for Lindsay Corporation. He says they're about to launch a brand new upgrade of their field net monitoring product. Under the FieldNet, new UI user interface is coming out. I mean, it's really sophisticated dashboard that really allows growers to have tools at their fingertips to really take control of precision irrigation management. And water is one of the biggest yield limiting factors that's out there. So being able to remotely be able to change the speed of the machine, get an irrigation recommendation through FieldNet Advisor, adjust their end guns. It's all really compact in a nice, very user-friendly single sign-in platform. Contact your local Zematic dealer for more information. The winter wheat season on the Texas High Plains still has about five months left to go. But James Hunt tells us much of the region's crop is looking pretty good. Up in Spearman at a producer education meeting a few days ago, I caught up with Russell French of French Agronomics, and he says recent moisture has helped a lot of area wheat get off to a really good start. Wheat's tillered really well. Even some late wheat went in late, but it got emerged okay. There's really no insects or disease problems going on right now in the wheat crop. Very few weeds even, like winter annual weeds like your mustards and flix weed and things like that. I just hardly see any. They, they may come on a little bit later, but this is definitely a year where people need to be thinking about their nitrogen program because a lot of times under island wheat people don't fertilize much but this might be the year when we get into february first of march to think about top dressing wheat because the potential looks really good to me now we know there are certainly places in the texas high plains that remain on the dry side and wheat has struggled in those locations but it sounds like overall much of our wheat could be turning out really well come harvest time Of course, that's a bit down the road, but for something positive that's already happening right now, area wheat appears to be helping fight erosion. Christy Keyes is the extension agent for agronomy for Castro, Hale, and Lamb counties, and she gave me this description of what she was seeing one day last week when winds around the region were blowing in excess of 60 miles an hour. Driving home from Dimmit, I was able to observe that some of those fields that even had small bit of wheat in it that has emerged, those fields were able to be held better than something that didn't have any cover on it. So I would like to say that the wheat is doing a good job. And at this time, I like to look at it a little bit differently, not necessarily how good does the wheat look, but how well is it doing in its job currently? And that's to hold the soil. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is important that farmers get soil nutrients prepared for planting the 2024 cotton crop. Tom Nicoletti has that story. My guest today is Dr. Ben McKnight. He is assistant professor and extension specialist for soil and crop sciences at the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in College Station. He spoke recently to some Central Texas farmers attending the Black Land Income Growth Conference in Waco in general about cotton agronomy, But specifically, Dr. McKnight, talk about what producers need to know about nutrient requirements 
when they start preparing their fields and planting their cotton later in 2024? Well, I'm a big proponent of soil testing. I think it's imperative to know what plant available nutrients we have in the soil currently going into the 2024 growing season. And so soil testing will give our growers uh, an idea of what they already have and the amount of plant available nutrient that they need to add to the soil in order to obtain uh, whatever desired yield goals they're interested in obtaining. How far in advance should they be doing this type of management work before they actually put the seed in the ground? So ideally, growers would be soil testing over the fall and winter months. Depending on what type of fertilizer they're adding, for instance, if it's a granular potassium material that they need to add to the soil, ideally you want to get that out in the fall and winter so that it'll be available during the growing season and get those samples submitted to uh, the Texas A&M Soil, Water, and Forage Testing Laboratory, get the report back, and, and make any adjustments going into the 2024 growing season. Unlike some of our annual crop species like corn and grain sorghum, cotton is a perennial plant and it has a unique ability to compensate for space. And so if we get into a situation where there's fewer plants per acre, they're less crowded, cotton does have the ability to compensate for that. That is Dr. Ben McKnight with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is meeting time in East Texas. James Duncan has this update from Marshall. In East Texas, the livestock feed supply has not been uh, depleted as it first predicted, so it's been adequate, and the hay right now is available to make the next 90 days. You couple up with some good winter grazing, and our cow-calf operators should be all right until that time gets here and spring grazing comes about. Now, the cattle price market, well, we're looking for it to hold. It, it ended the year very well, and cow-calf prices and producers are looking for a really good 2024. The grass, when it comes, is to be available. We'll place a demand upon the yearling stocker cattle. And with the new year and the new seasons, livestock producers are always optimistic about the future. And one of the things that we love to do is go to uh, farm equipment shows, livestock shows, things like that. And there's plenty of them out there for you today, plus the fact that in our area, we are offering the extension service through their abilities to do so, the opportunity for our producer to gain continuing education credit units in all of their meetings so that we can keep our pesticide applicator license up to date and in order for all those that might want to see them somewhere around the way. Now, we do have them coming up real soon. Right here in our area, we have a multi-county meeting coming January the 26th. Now, that's a few weeks off, so you need to get ready for it. You need to RSVP to the Gregg County Extension Office by January 20. Now, this is for several counties, so it doesn't matter where you are. Just come on in and get with it. There's not an equipment show with this one. We'll have to tell you. Wait a little bit later on, though. We have some of those coming. We'll have one in early February up in the Texarkana area. So just remember those for it. It is important. The extension livestock and forage specialist will be on hand to answer any questions that you might have to help you in your continuing effort to better manage your livestock, your pastures, and improve that to get that price that we're looking for in the marketplace. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. A pair of deer hides were denied entry into the United States earlier this month. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain why coming up on Texas Ag Today. And with all this cold weather that's moved into Texas, we need to make sure we have winterized our horses. 
Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. With the cold weather that has moved into Texas, we need to be sure to winterize our horses. Dr. Bob Judd tells how. Dehydration is the biggest risk during cold weather, and I certainly agree. If horses do not drink enough water, colic is common. And a 1,000-pound horse needs to drink at least six gallons of water per day. Horses do not like to drink cold water, so if possible, warming the water to 45 to 65 degrees Fahrenheit really helps. If heating the water is not an option, make sure the water is not frozen over, and this requires breaking ice multiple times a day in really cold weather. Breaking ice just twice a day will likely lead to decreased water consumption and potential colic issues. Adding one tablespoon of table salt in the feed will help increase water consumption, and adding hot water four times daily may keep the water warm enough to encourage drinking. It is also important to check your horse's body condition, as it may be difficult to determine under long hair coats in the winter. It is important to keep horses at a body condition score at 5 to 6 on a scale of 1 to 9, and use a weight tape to check the weight once a month. Some horses are called hard keepers, and these horses may lose weight in the winter. An average 1,000-pound horse should consume about 2% of their body weight in total feed, and this would be about 20 pounds per day. Hay helps to increase body heat better than grain, and some horses may require 3% of their body weight in feed to prevent weight loss. On the other hand, easy keepers are just the opposite, and we have to make sure they are not gaining weight in the winter, as this could lead to laminitis. Although more feed may be required in the cold weather, you must make sure the feed is less than 10% non-structural carbohydrates if your horse is insulin resistant. Join me next time for more on winterizing your horse. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A pair of deer hides were denied entry into the United States earlier this month. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. A pair of trophy white-tailed deer hides were abandoned at the Texas-Mexico border in Laredo earlier this month to protect the Texas and U.S. cattle industries. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the deer hides were infested with 21 ticks. Alberto Flores, port director at the Laredo Port of Entry, said as the deer hunting season in Mexico starts to draw to a close, Frontline CBP agriculture specialists are especially vigilant in inspecting arriving trophy deer hides to make sure cattle fever ticks do not enter the United States and pose a risk to the domestic cattle industry. He said this significant tick interception in deer hides reaffirms CBP's commitment to protecting American agriculture and upholding U.S. economic security by preventing pests which can carry the cattle fever tick from entering the United States. The two deer hides were inspected at the Columbia Solidarity Bridge in Laredo along with antler racks. 
CBP denied the hides entry into the U.S. after the ticks were found. The driver abandoned them at the port. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service regulates the import of hunter-harvested white-tailed deer trophies from Mexico to prevent the spread of disease. CBP said of particular concern is the spread of bovine babesiosis, commonly known as cattle fever. It can cause high fever, acute anemia, and enlargement of the spleen and liver in cattle, ultimately resulting in the deaths of up to 90% of cattle that have not been exposed to it. USDA estimates that left uncontrolled cattle fever ticks could cost the livestock industry about $1 billion annually. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. All of our agricultural markets were closed on Monday because of the holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. That's coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex headed in different directions on Friday. We ended up closing with live cattle lower, feeder cattle higher. February live cattle down 42 cents, 171.37. The April down 40 at 174.17. June live cattle down 35, 171.62. Feeder cattle headed higher. January feeders up 30 cents, 226.57. March up 30, 227.70, with April feeder cattle up 27 cents at an even 233 a hundred weight. Cash fed cattle trade picked up on Friday afternoon. We sold cattle here in the Southern Plains at 172. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. In the Northern Plains, we saw sales at 173 to 174 live. 273 dressed. That's one to two dollars lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was higher Friday. Choice up 369, 289.58. Select up 208, 272.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to Walking the Pens from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Jody Price sold cattle in San Angelo Thursday. Jody, how was it? Had a really good sale, Larry. 1,250 head today. A lot of good quality calves there today. Uh, calling those uh, better quality calves at least 5 to $7 higher. Instances, $10 or more higher on some of those choice lightweight calves. Slaughter cows and bulls at least 2 to $4 higher. Some of the medium to thinner fleshed cows could have been as much as $6 higher than last week's first sale back. Uh, strong demand for several hundred slaughter cows and bulls on offer there today. Limited number of replacement type cows like it has been selling about steady. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 210 all the way up to a high of near 325, mostly 230 to 270. Six to 800 pound steers from 180 to a high of 250, mostly 190 to 235. Slaughter uh, heifer calves, better quality heifer calves, 190 to 270, mostly 210 to 245. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding from 73 to 89. 
several of those high yielding slaughter cows from 90 all the way to a high of 104. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 86 to a dollar. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 101 to a high of 119. Red cows and two-year-olds average to better quality. Just a few single cows, medium to heavy bred, anywhere from 850 to 1375, and did not have a test on the county of pairs. How do you feel about sales next week? Well, big change is coming. Weather's going to be the, the word of the week. Could be without some water there for a period of time on the stockyards. Looking for a much lighter sheep and goat sale. Yes, we are planning on having a sheep and goat sale on Tuesday. Sale on Thursday could probably be a good bit lighter, somewhere in the neighborhood of six to 700 head next Thursday. Tell everybody how to contact you, Jody Fry. Office number is 325-653-3371. Mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, thanks for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You've been listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. February hogs down 70 cents, 71.90. April down 42 at 78.62. Class 3 milk was narrowly mixed with the January contract down 2 cents, 15.17.100. February Class 3 milk up 8 cents, 15.95.100 a hundred weights. Cotton market just dropped a few ticks following Friday's USDA WASDE report. The report showed that the cotton crop is now estimated at 12.4 million bales. That's down about 500,000 compared to last month's estimate. March cotton down five points, 81.31. May cotton down four at 82.29. New crop December down eight. 79.63. The Wazi report was bearish for the corn market. It confirmed what we've been thinking all along. We definitely had a record corn crop here this past year. The estimation now stands at 15.34 billion bushels. That weighed on corn with March dropping 10 and 3 quarters, 447 a bushel. September corn down 8 and 3 quarters at 474 and a quarter. Wheat market reacted slightly negative to USDA's report. March Kansas City wheat dropped three quarters, closing at 615 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat down seven and three quarters, 596 a bushel. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 26 cents, 336. February West Texas crude up 77 at 72.79 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow down 106 points, 37,604. The Nasdaq up 5, 14,975, with the S&P up 4, 4,784. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.